You're now listening to the River Claremont Podcast. Hallelujah. Well, who's excited that you love the Lord and he loves you? Matthew 25, or 12, 25, Matthew 12, 25, it says that Jesus knew their thoughts. There's a realm in the spirit of God where you perceive what's happening around you. And oftentimes, immature believers would think that that is their own thought or their own feelings. But as you mature in the kingdom of God, you do get to a place where you can recognize that's not my thought and that's not my feeling, but that's what's coming around me. That's how you begin to deal with things by the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen. And so the enemy's job is to frustrate, to bring fear, to bring division, to bring anxiety. But God's job through the Holy Spirit is to bring unity. Amen? Amen. And Jesus knew their thoughts and he said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. One of the enemy's key tactics is to frustrate relationships in your life that matter. Through whatever wedge of division he can bring, primarily the wedge of offense, which is roots are in pride, where it could be either or both parties involved dealing with pride, which is probably the most allowed sin in the body of Christ today, that we don't deal with the sin of pride we just brush it under the rug. But pride kills you, keeps you from the grace of God. In fact, basically, Jesus said, if you don't learn to extend grace to others, then I won't extend grace to you. you got to learn to live a, a gracious life. Amen. 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 met a woman years ago. I just saw her post in, in lieu of everything with Roe versus Wade because she was in a large um, professional church setting, you know. That, that whole message is grace, and we accept come as you are, be as you are, do what you want. You know, we love all. And then she got pregnant outside of wedlock, and her family being in the church of leadership and stuff, she was ostracized, actually even counseled to end the baby's life just to not bring reproach upon the family. It was a mistake, but God can deal with it, and there's, there's grace if you do what we say and kind of cover it up. And uh, because they didn't want to deal with it. So ultimately, she refused to give the baby up. And so they said, well, you're going to be poor your whole life because you're a single mom. This person, you know, that knocked you up is not going to be there. And anyway, she went through the whole separation of a church that said, man, we love. We love everybody. Come as you are to suddenly not love when it costs them something. So she said she found herself disillusioned and brokenhearted, angry at God, angry at the church. Uh, with a little baby boy, her family kind of turned their backs and stumbled into a, a church to preach holiness. And she said, stumbling into the church to preach holiness, I actually was received more for, for the things that I had done wrong by the holiness church than I was by the church that said, we love you as you are. Right. It's interesting because the Holy Spirit preaches an uncompromising message of holiness, but is also gracious and loving. And he'll wrap his arms around a woman caught in adultery and say, don't do it anymore and you're fine with me. That's our God. Amen. Now, if you apply that in your life, you've got to recognize that it's your job not only to need grace from time to time, but also to freely give grace. And the enemy knows if he can frustrate relationships with that matter through division, he can really tarnish or separate or destroy 
The call of God or the multiplication, as the Bible talks about, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand. There's a synergy, synergy or a godly multiplication in the kingdom of God that the enemy seeks to destroy. And so that everybody becomes an island to themselves. Nobody works together. Nobody is linked arm in arm because we're all looking for the Messiah in the flesh. Well, you can't look for the Messiah in the flesh because he's already seated at the right hand of God. So in other words, you have to look at flawed men and women and just get behind the vision and the anointing of God. It's like uh, there's a lot of prophets that are popular right now that prophesy very accurately. But behind closed doors, what they're doing is wicked and demonic. But I don't want to disillusion the church, but just because there's supernatural power doesn't always mean it's from God. And uh, the enemy has a manipulation of it too. And these people, you know, go around the church because of power, but live immoral lives, even to the point of doctrine of demons to get that power in, in wicked ways. And so I asked my father-in-law, I said, well, what, where's the true prophets then? Because these are the people that are tearing it up. I mean, you'd think on social media and the churches, these are the guys. I mean, they, they can walk into a room and tell you exactly what your debit card number is, your PIN. They, can, they prophesied every winning team, every lottery number. They know everything. How do they know it all? And, um, but yet then behind closed doors, all hell's going loose. I said, so where are the true prophets then? And, you know, my father-in-law, he always gives good advice. He said, you know what I've learned in life is the problem with the church is they want to follow a person. He said, you got to follow the anointing. You have to follow the anointing. You have to follow. There is a difference and you will perceive it. Anybody that has any openness in themselves whatsoever to the realms of God can perceive the anointing. It's different. It's tangible. You can sense it. You can feel it. It's different than words. It's different than a message. And it's far different than charisma or hype. And if you follow the word of God, you can see how God chooses whatever vessel he desires to speak through. Are you with me right now this morning? So the church has got to get back to number one, being a house that allows the anointing of heaven to freely flow in the place. That's what we're pushing in for right now as a church. I've just come to the place, you know, there's been this degree of, I want to charge forward the things of God, but then a misery in, in ministry, dealing with people, dealing with attitudes that has worn me out for seven years in the church world and to the point of frustration. And I'm like, God, and then I began to realize it's because we are playing games and allowing that negative religious spirit to nag at the pure things of God. And we as a church got to draw on the line in the sand and say, it's not our job to explain everything God does. I'm not his spokesperson. Come on, somebody. I'm not his. What is that person that speaks for the president that they always have to get another one? We just, we always, we just got another one, you know what I'm saying? The president is not responsible for the price of gas. The president has a plan to control the price of grass. What are we talking about right now? I'm not that person for the Lord. Amen. I don't want to be that. He, he can defend himself. He can defend himself. And it's not our job to tell God what he is allowed to do. Are you with me? You got to follow and trust the anointing. 
But the enemy brings division. He frustrates relationships of value. I've, I've walked it out enough, and I remember in Bible college, we had a, a class called the Love Walk that Pastor Adonica would teach, and it was all about learning to walk in love and forgiving those that had done you wrong. And at 19, 20 years old, which I've never been a good person at, at, at offense anyways, but at 19, 20 years old, I thought, who has a problem with this? Like, what, what person can't forgive? Grow up, people. And then you grow a little while, and then you realize, man, people do really, really bad things. I'm talking to you right now. People flat up stab you in the back, bro. People come to you and promise the world, and meanwhile, they've got their own agendas going on. And really, you have to be so careful to not let that taint your heart. But in the midst of all of that, there's still purity. And I was reading this, this message. You know, the Internet's just, it is what it is. <laughs> Maybe I should go off the internet because it's like, gosh. But I, I read a guy, and he was a, a, in the ministry for many years, and he was, did this whole post, and he's got a whole following of why I left the church world to become, and he's not angry at the Lord. He's just, and he goes in this whole thing of there's, you know, the way the church world works, there's pastors that your pastor can't afford to come in. They cost too much money. It's this whole superstar mentality. And you know, as I was reading it, there's a lot of truth in there, but something just, just like a lightning bolt from the Holy Spirit hit me. He said, the problem is, in all of that, is you've removed relationship. And that's where the church is. It became about... Who can we have in that we don't have a relationship with? They're not in our company. They're not in our camp, but they draw a following. So let's build on a following. Meanwhile, everything in the kingdom of God has been about the purity of relationships. Amen. It, do you know them? If you know them, there's an entwining of the spirit of God. And I'll, and I'll tell you this. You will learn that there is a company or a tribe that you belong to. I'm getting real with you right now. It's just the way it is because I love everybody. I actually don't have a problem with a lot of things in the body of Christ that people around me have problems with. I'm just a laid back country boy. So you can do whatever you want. You can be the shouting, spitting preacher. You can be the, the you can paint. I can't, you don't want me to paint during worship. You know what I'm saying? But you, you're welcome to do it. I don't, it's not that I'm I like, I don't, I'm like, but there are people that are like, that's just, get rid of that junk. Get back to the purity. There are people that hate that we dim the lights. You know what I'm saying? You can't worship the Lord in the dark. If you're not going to worship the Lord in broad daylight, don't even worship him at all. Well, what does that mean at nighttime then? I'm waiting for the day. I ain't going to praise him at night. They praise him in the prison cell at nighttime. And you can't tell me that the place was lit up like the 4th of July. It was a dark moment, you know what I'm saying? They were in chains, a little candlelight, and Peter's like, mm, or Paul's like, mm, mm, mm. So there's all these things, these clicks that happen, but I have learned that there is also just people that you connect with. That it's just like, there's just a connection, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's like a, it's like, it's like you've known each other, it's like you're of the same stock, you know, when you talk, you're charging each other, it's not this frustrated battle of like it's like a it's like a it's like a a synergy it's like a multi it's like it's like the voice of many waters it's like I found the people you know am I making sense right now all right good because you're looking at me like get to the point there that is the point that was the point the whole time just drawing it out to make a point 
But the enemy seeks to frustrate that. And that's where the church went to gimmicks. and Went to just varied advertising and stuff like that. And I began to realize that it's, it's where the enemy thrives in that place of frustrating and dividing relationships of value in your life. That if you seek comfort all the time, then by your seeking of comfort, you eliminate that pruning process of heaven that is necessary for your maturity. And ultimately, we're all called to maturity. I don't care what, how you interpret it. You are actually called to grow up in the kingdom of God. You're not always meant to be a baby that is in spiritual trouble all the time. You are meant to grow, to, deci- to, to decipher the word of God yourself, to get it in your spirit, and to carry authority in the spiritual realm. And that does not mean that I'm meant to grow to break off. It's, I'm meant to grow to amplify what God is doing in the church as a whole, because the church is God's plan A. Amen. Amen. And there is a true church. Shout true church. There is a true church on planet earth that the spirit of God is residing and presiding over. And that church is in every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. Sometimes it's a room full of thousands. Sometimes it's a room with only ten. Sometimes it's a living room. But there is a true church that is still existing and still powerful and still potent that God is still moving through today. But where the enemy thrives is to bring division. This past... Two years has been a real revealing year, years, which we, every prophet in 2020 said that 2020, the Lord's word is vision. You know, it was like, it was like they didn't really have to jump for that one. (laughs) Oh, where did you get that from? You know, 2020, the Lord says clear vision. Oh, I wonder where, anyways. But it was a, it was a year of real clear vision, not vision of what I'm going to do, but actually clarity of what's going on around you. Are you with me right now? There was a revealing by the Spirit of God, and, 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 and there, was, there was leaders that fell. Not fell, but leaders that didn't stand, I should say. And they should have stood, right? They should have taken a stand against wickedness. I can promise you, if the church had been ready, which it reminds me of 10, 10 years ago, or 8, 9 years ago, after I'd been in the ministry a couple years, I had said to the Lord one time crying in my hotel room where I came across that scripture that we minister by the grace that is given unto us. I said to the Lord, what is the grace you've given me? Because I wanna, I, I'm, I'm trying to evangelize. I'm trying to stir up the church. I'm trying, I was at that time two years in actually already ministering to pastors that would call me because they have no one in their life to speak into their life after we'd been there and they need advice. And I'm young in, the Lord, you know, young in ministry and these guys have been in, Churches 15 years asking me for advice. It's kind of like when you go to, you know, it's like going to a wedding. What advice would you give a person when you, you're not even married? Uh, stick it out, bro. Best of, versus a person that's been married 50 years, you know. What advice would you give them? Well, they, they can actually look back and know, what? Well, let me tell you, this, this and that and this and this is a value. That's the person you want to listen to. But they were calling me because they didn't have relationship. And they didn't have relationship because there was a perversion in the church that got to be all about influence, power, and what can you give me, and then you get relationship. But there are the true people in the church that don't care about money. They're not swayed by fame or fortune or large platforms. They are being led by the Spirit of God. And that's what it comes down to. You want that in your life. You need to be led by the Spirit of God. But after these people didn't stand... 
My heart grieved. I cried. I, I did cry a lot because I didn't understand it. And it got to a point where I, I really was, God, like, am I, am I immature? Am I the guy that is just arrogantly believing that you would protect him from a virus? Because day one, I was like, there, oh, there is no way. I would ever, ever utter from my mouth or even say, use wisdom in the sense of thinking that God would allow a virus to spread from a church. I was like, he could pack a stadium of a million people with coronavirus and 99,900, I mean, they would leave without coronavirus. That's what I believe. I was like, there's just no way God would ever allow the church to be the super spreader. I don't care what statistics you pull up. You're pulling them out of the bowels of hell, and I don't like it. It's a lie. And, that's, and I remember I drafted a statement. I put it on our Facebook, and it was just straight up, this is what I believe. And someone in our staff went behind my back and pulled it down. And I was like, I didn't even know it got pulled down because I don't go on Facebook enough. So I should have been on there, so I would have known when it got pulled down. But they pulled it down. And someone came to me and said, well, obviously you've changed your stance because you pulled that, that statement down from Facebook. And I was like, I never pulled no statement down from Facebook. I still believe what I believe. I believe that God will protect me from any virus that you have. I believe you could concoct it specifically from my DNA and inject it directly into my veins. And if God says today ain't the day, I will subvert it. I will walk out of it. I will shake it off. It'll have no power over me. I believe that. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Shout amen. Is God God? That's what it comes down to. That's what I believe. And so I got to the point, though, in the midst of it, am I, am I delusional? Am I the dude that's, that's really ignorant and I need wisdom? You know, use wisdom, bro. Be safe. And so I, I, I went in it. But then I just really got in me. You know, see, there's a difference between people that put on the things of God as a show. And that's what happens. They come in, they step into the place, and they put on this thing like it's like, let me show you what it looks like and walk right out and take the jacket off. Right. And there's a, there's a group in the church that we don't put it on. It just comes out of us. Yeah. It's not something I put on every day. It's something that's in me every day. I can't turn off the boldness because the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. And so you can't shut it down. Your mind tells you shut it down. Your mind tells you find a clever way to blend. Your mind tells you you got to unify with that. But let me tell you, we're talking about division, but you cannot unify with hell's plan. You got to know your company and you got to get unified with that company. And so I found myself that. But then now you look at it, you look at two years in and, and I'm not picking but I'm sh I'm just showing you some of these global giants in the body of Christ their ministry has been stripped from them in the last two years and because behind closed doors there was compromise that's what it came down to problems with this problems with that this going on and then it all came full circle it all came apart it all unraveled and you look at that going on and you realize well that's why they didn't stand they didn't stand because there was compromise. And you can't compromise. You can't, he that doesn't bow won't burn. Comes down to that. 
You got to be the person that won't bow because then you won't burn. It doesn't matter if the fire is seven times hotter. Crank it as hot as you want it. There's a fourth man in the fire with me. His name is Jesus. My confidence is not in my ability. It's not in my natural wisdom. It's not in my talents. It's not in my years. It's in the spirit of God. He is on my side. I am knit with him and he is who I stay with. Amen. Are you with me right now? And so... The enemy comes in to frustrate and divide things of value in your life. Number one, you're seeing a church that is being led here and there, being just this every ebb and flow of popularity, the church as a, as a globe is being moved by because relationships have fallen from value. You got to learn that there are relationships in your life that God orchestrates for you to have of people that can speak into your life. And it will be uncomfortable sometimes. But that's the best place to be at. Because it's uncomfortable because they love you. Now seek for love. There are some places that all they do is tear you down. There is love in the body of Christ. But valuable relationships will be tried. The devil will seek to do that. Well, what are the valuable relationships in life? Number one, marriage. You want to talk about one of the territories the devil hits hard is marriage. Well, how does he bring division in marriage? Number one, through sin, pornography, lust, brings division in marriages. So that starts entering in, and what happens is there's a, there's a separation of a covenant that mattered. And now there's a wedge driven between husband and wife. And when husband and wife are not together in unity, the Bible begins to talk about your prayers become hindered. There's, there's a breakdown of a relationship of value so that the enemy can come in and begin to divide and conquer and tear apart. Now, it's not just husband and wife. It's kids involved. It's grandparents involved. There's a whole unraveling that hell wants to do. And if you look at the statistics, not that I care about statistics, but they say the church's divorce rate is just as high as the world's. So we're not, we, we, we preach holiness, we talk about unity, we talk about love, we talk about the Holy Spirit being the one to knit us together. But when the rubber meets the road, we allow the devil to divide us. Now I'm not saying that that I'm not trying to pick on people. I recognize there are grounds for divorce. If you're verbally abused, you're physically beaten. People are treating you bad. They're falling in drugs and alcohol. These things, there is a godly separation where you say, God, we tried. Now bring it. And then you go through the process and the Lord redeems. But I believe after there's the process of healing, God will bring you another person that will solidify the union of marriage that God intended to be in your life. And there will be a corporate blessing upon that union. I believe that. But marriages get tried. The devil comes in to just manipulate and drive that wedge in there. And men, of all places, men, you got to be the man of the house and a priest of the home. You are not giving authority so that you could beat down your wife. You are given authority so that you can say to hell, not in my house. My wife will serve the Lord. My children will serve the Lord. There will be a peace in my home. And the angels of God will be encamped about this place. Because the Spirit of God is on the inside of me. And I take that place of authority. Sometimes you got to go out in your backyard and just shout it. Devil, you can't even come in my backyard. 
just so your neighbors knows, if there's anybody in the neighborhood that they should avoid robbing, it's you. And if there's anybody in the neighborhood to go to when they need a miracle, it's you. <laughs> marriages. The enemy seeks to destroy marriages. He seeks to destroy in the church. There is, and, I, and I struggle teaching it because there are realms of spiritual authority I really don't fully understand. But I know it's application. Because I've known the frustration that's come between me and my pastor, which is my father-in-law in the past, through, through, through relationships around us that come to agitate it. They come to like just agitate and make problems that aren't there until they feel like a problem, until there's an agitation and there's a drifting away that you have to fight to, to, to not let that in. And I've known the times that I allowed kind of that, that division to get bigger within me. Be like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they're doing their thing, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm I'm me, and they're there, and and when I allow that, that pulling, I can also I can testify to you that with it, it's like there's an additional battles, fights, blockages in my life that come because I allowed the enemy to put a wedge where there shouldn't be a wedge, and every time, and you can remember two, three years ago. I believe it was about two, two and a half years ago where I really went to the Lord and I said, God, I want you to teach me about honor because I want to be a person that honors in the body of Christ. Not, not the weird honor like some of the African ministers do where they basically elevate a person to a God. But there is honor in the body of Christ. And I was like, teach me how to honor. I want to be an honorable person. I want to learn to honor. And, and a lot of that where the Lord began to lead me is listening to those around you that God has knit in your life that can speak into you and recognizing, as I said, not the person, but the anointing. So that you hear the voice of the Lord in the anointing and you respond as you should respond, just as if an angel showed up in front of your house, eight foot tall, and said, Thus saith the Lord. So should it be in relationships that matter. But familiarity, the wedge of division, you cut out that whole voice of the Lord from your life. And then you're like, why am I kicking against the pricks, God? Well, it's hard to war against me, isn't it? Because you've allowed a wedge in. But the moment you let that healing take place and you, so you honor, you, you, you humble yourself and you say, God, there are realms in the spirit I don't fully grasp. But you get that solidified. There comes a synergistic blessing of God where it's like you operate in levels you can't operate at on your own. Am I making sense right now? It's like where it's like where 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 you are tapping into I would say years of faithfulness of God shown in previous generations that has carried on generation to generation because God's plan is every generation to get stronger not weaker. And so there's a lot to learn and there's a lot to humble and there's a lot of that process where you realize it's not me that does it it's God that does it. So I can't let the devil drive a wedge in my life of the relationships that are God-ordained. Does that make sense this morning? And so that's why some of the most frustrated relationships you have, there's a difference between you don't click 
to where there's a frustration, an external force agitating that relationship. That you got to recognize and say, I'm not going to let the enemy in to bring division. I'm going to guard that in my house. Because you're not a God of confusion. You're God of unity. Amen. Valuable relationships. Another division the devil causes is division within your heart. And what I mean by that is there's an understanding within us that there's the church world and there's the secular world. I put on church world and I go out and put on secular world. I'm me in the church and I'm a different me out there. Who told you that there, only the world creates the words secular and church? In the kingdom of God, there's not a division of secular world and church world. There's not an understanding in the kingdom of God that inside the four walls is one thing and outside is another thing. The kingdom of God has never respected walls. The only reason we have walls is so that we can put air conditioning because we're in Florida. And we know that Florida is actually located 2,000 light years closer to the sun than the rest of the world. It's molten lava outside during our summer courses, okay? Summertime. That's the only reason we're in a building. But in the kingdom, in, in God's way, it's not about a building. You can't allow the enemy to divide within you the difference between these are things of God and these are things of this world. Because that division causes you to say, well, the word of God works in this capacity, but then there's wisdom in the world for this. And you're trying to always mash together a logical world with a God of supernatural. And you just got to recognize my God is supernatural. Amen. I function. I get wisdom. I pay my bills. I try and balance my checkbook. I try and, you know, invest in the right things. But then crypto turns and I have just <laughs> try and buy real estate. Then the market collapses. I try and do everything right, but it's just not working. But does that mean God's not with me? No, God's still with me. Amen. Does that mean that I'm poor? No, my wealth is not determined by dollar bills. Yeah. My wealth is determined by the kingdom of God that I am associated with. That's who I trust in. My God can turn things around. I mean, I have sat with people that the Lord has literally eradicated their mortgages before. Where it's like they pressed in, they needed a miracle, they're crying out to God, they sowed a seed of faith. Then they get a letter in the mail, your mortgage has been lost and you owe nothing. I don't know about you, but I'm like, praise God if you're sending them out. Send it this way. Give you my address, Lord. <laughs> In case you didn't know. God's supernatural. Are you with me? God can cause things to turn around in a matter of seconds. He does not operate in, he doesn't care about what is logical in this world. He's greater than that. But the separation that the enemy does to divide within you the natural and the spiritual so that you're always in this war of the flesh pulling you this way and the spirit pulling you that way. The Bible says those that just fully are led by the spirit will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It won't even be a war in you if you would just go headlong into the spirit. Amen. So it's like, God, whatever you're doing is exactly what needs to be done. Whatever it looks like is what needs to happen. Amen. Don't allow the enemy to divide that within you. Don't think that in church you prophesy, but out in the world you don't. There should be more prophecy out there at the job than there is in the church. Are you with me right now? Stir it up. 
But the enemy comes to bring division all the time and agitation. So there's this war, this conflict within you, because if there's a conflict within you, then you'll never do the battle outside of you. And that's why the enemy prevails generation after generation, getting wickedness to provide. But there's coming a sifting. And I'm telling you, every time you go through seasons like we've been through as a nation, what it does is solidify the church in its stance to say, no, bless heaven, I've figured out what the world has, and I want only what God has. I'm sick and tired of all the junk of this world. I'm not buying into your wickedness. There is just, you have crossed so many lines, there is no logic even left in the world. So I'm following the Spirit. And the Spirit, now listen, why does that matter? Because in the, if, if you don't get it right in the Spirit, you'll never be equipped to fight the battle. In the sense of even what's going on, Roe versus Wade, the transgender movement. These things are just totally whack. Are you with me? But it's a spiritual root. That's in there. So if the church doesn't recognize that the only way to fight this battle is through the spirit, what happens is we wind up being frustrated and trying war it in the flesh. And the arm of the flesh doesn't have authority over the demonic, but the spirit has authority over the demonic. And so if you tap into it, you can tap into authority to break that stuff off of a generation. And it's time we break it off in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody. There comes a division in your life between the holy and the profane. That is a God division. Where God comes in, because we're talking about, you can come sit here, it's all right, everybody thinks it's awkward, but you just, you just, you just be you, you know what I'm saying? Walk right up there, turn and do this next time. Because there's a godly division in the Bible. Luke, Luke chapter 12 talks about where God says, the time will come when households will be divided. Father against son, mother against daughter, mother-in-law. There is a division in the kingdom of God, and that division is the division of profane and holiness, of righteousness and unrighteousness, where we can scream unity all day long, but if we don't know what to unify with, then we're not actually going to ever tap in to God's plan. You don't unify with hell. I don't unify with demons. There is no agreement between me and the spirit of darkness. I agree with the spirit of light. Amen. And you stand your ground in that and recognize it. So everything darkness wants to do, 17 booster shots. I mean, whatever, just boost away. Monkey pox. Fine. Murder hornets. What? I mean, bro, just throw whatever you want out right now. Basically, at any time, you can throw whatever you want out right now. I mean, I'll just tell you, I feel like there's going to be a turtle pox that's really going to, it's going to come in slow, but eventually. Yeah. Going, it's coming. Just get ready. I'm telling you, you better, you just better mask up, boost up, get your hand sanitizer and toilet paper, because I feel like the turtle pox will really cost. 
Well, I tried to follow that, that line, but then look, look at, you know this week alone, have you followed the news? There was a NBA um, drafted guys in his early 20s that died this, this week. Huh? He was 26 years old. No, that was the NFL player. There was a, a, a 21-year-old NBA drafted in the NBA died of natural causes. Because 21-year-olds drop dead all the time. You know, there's no reason to look into this. A 26-year-old linebacker for Baltimore Ravens died this week. Natural causes. The Miss Brazil died this week. Natural causes. Brother, killing a generation off. And what is the church doing? Trying to be politically correct. You know, we don't want to raise a flag. We're not trying to get flagged on Facebook or anything. We don't want to really call these things out because what if we're wrong? Bless God. Hell has an agenda. And I guess what I'm poking at right now is what I've been feeling is you cannot combat by staying, you know, in the middle. If they're going to go extreme, the church has got to go extreme too. The only way to turn a pendulum is to get further in the other direction. And that's where I've made up my mind. I'm sick and tired of explaining myself to religious eggheads of why, why is your service so long? Because it's long. Well, when do you actually get out? I have no idea. I quit looking at the clock years ago. I mean, it's up there, but sometimes it doesn't really register. It's like, you know, uh, what, what, what time is it? These things, why, why, why do, why do people, what is this tongue thing? It's in the Bible, all throughout it. Read it. Go down to Barnes and Noble, pick up a Bible, study it. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, you get to a point where that warded at me. It was this war of, man, I don't want to, you know, there's people coming in and you don't want to. You know how it feels to be a, a pastor? And it's like, ah, someone falls down. And in your mind, you're like, all right, so just get up there, greet the people. Just, you know, put some glory to God, but then take it, just weave in there. How many people know that God sometimes moves in mysterious ways? I mean, you're always trying to cover the Lord. You know, oh, here's the Holy Ghost again. God. Great. It was really, it was great until that, God. Why did, why did they run around the building? Why do people run around the building? They don't even look like they should run in the gym. They, they. <laughs> Agreed. They should probably go to the gym too. But at least they're running in the church. Amen. I don't know why they run. Ask them. You know, why did you fall down? Because I couldn't stand up. It's that simple. I was there, then I was there. Just, just, just felt natural to me. I, I got dropped. Well, good. Because if you faked it, then now you won't fake it anymore. You've done banged your little head. But... Bro, when it's God, you can get shot back eight rows. You don't feel a thing. You know what I'm saying? If it's the Lord, he'll stick, he'll stick you to the wall. Ah, why are you stuck to the wall? I just... And people always want to bring God like, God, I'm just hungry for you. 
And I just don't understand why. I can only imagine the Lord. Now, because... I mean, the reason why, and let me explain this in scriptural detail, what I'm basically trying to hit, because we're talking about the importance of you have got to get solidified and unified that I am 100% going after the presence of God. Everything else is smoke and mirrors. The only true thing is the glory of God. Everything else can be manipulated, but the devil cannot manipulate the glory of God. It's, it's there. And so when you read the Old Testament, when the Bible says that God led the children of Israel with his presence as a pillar of cloud and a pillar of fire, protecting them, illuminating the way, leading and guiding them with, their pres with his presence. But they grumbled and complained. They got to the point where like, yeah, I mean, the presence of God is here. Yeah, we got a pillar of fire. Yeah, we got quails. Yeah, we got food. Yeah, we got everything we need, and it's all great. And yeah, we got out of slavery, but it's just we're tired of this meal. Which that's what happens in the church. Gets to a point where they don't want the purity of God. They want a newfangled Show me something I've never seen before. <laughs> am I hitting it or am I talking the truth or what? I mean, people are looking at me like, they, they're like, did I go to the right service today? <laughs> Myrtle, you grab your bag. So that we can be led by fanciful whatever, this, this thing. And it's meanwhile... It's the presence of God. It's the glory of God. I'm going after the anointing. If the anointing is in the place, I want the anointing of God in my life. It's my protection. It's the only thing that cuts through the fluff in my mind and brings me direction when I need it. Can't tell you how many times I'm here to lead, but the Lord speaks to me and gives me correction while I'm about to preach. Why? Because the anointing's in the place. Why is it? Because we put an emphasis that that's what matters. So then they grumbled and they complained. And then... Moses is crying out, we don't want to go without your presence. We don't want to go without your presence. Because he recognized the presence of the Lord matters. But the people's hearts turned. And the Lord got so angry with them when they made a golden calf that he said, I'm going to go down there, I'm going to kill them all. That's God, the God of grace and mercy. He's like, I'm going to kill The original Godfather will send forth his angels, Luigi and Joey, to take care of some things. You know what I'm saying? I'll tell you what. I'm going to send Joey down there. I'm going to make it all. Yeah. You're going to sleep with the fishes tonight. But there's no water. I'll make a water flow. And then I'm going to take you out. And you won't. I mean, when God takes people out, you don't need. Their, their, their lineage is removed. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like. Remember so-and-so? It's like they're gone. And that's the same God we serve today to where Moses had to cry out on behalf of the people, please, what would the nation say? What would the enemy say if you took out your people? And God said, the Bible uses the terminology, the Lord changed his mind. Isn't that mind-blowing? But there's a degree, obviously, of God where he gets so frustrated with complacent, nagging people. It's like, I am tired. 
of explaining myself. I am tired of proving myself. Am I not the Lord thy God that put the stars in the skies? I mean, it's like when he showed up with Job and he just tore Job a new one. Have you ever read that? Like if you, you have to take breaths. You actually start sweating a little bit if you read it correctly. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, God. Why? Because you, you did some of it. That's the bad. That's the, you're like, oh, my God. Oh, God. I'm so sorry. I will never call you to court ever again. You don't have to explain anything to me. What was I ever thinking? I did not put Leviathan in the sea. I don't even know what Leviathan is. And I used to plead with the Lord, show up, show up, God, show up, show up. And one day the Lord was like, why is it you're always begging me? Like my faithfulness is in question. And I was like, oh, God. <laughs> right? right? Like, <laughs> The Lord can make you feel this big. He's not the one in question. So why is it? Because the Lord is everywhere. He's omnipresent. But even when you read Israel, why did God manifest his presence in such an intense way for the Israelites? They were a type and a shadow of the church. They were to show us what a covenant, because at that time the covenant was with the nation of Israel, his chosen people. Now through the blood of Jesus, the covenant is with you, Brian Gibson. And so you realize that God's desire has always been, as he said to the Israelites, tell them to come up on the mountain with you, Moses. Tell the nation of Israel to come up to the mountain with you, that they might see my glory face to face. So the people were terrified. No. Why? Because if they're not right, they're dropping dead. <laughs> but God's desire is to manifest his presence in your life, just like with the Israelites. So that the angels of God are set in charge about you. That you trust in the Lord and you rise in the morning and there is an army on your side. And just like I said in the first service, when the president goes somewhere, secret service is like calling ahead, plotting the path. Does it, every enemy is removed. Every threat could be removed. You're that person. That's right. Are you with me? When I wake up in the morning, are you kidding me? Gabriel, we got a 1040. The man's on the move. That's how my God is. He's so on the side of his children that the angels are literally moving things. Trucks trying to crash into you. No, nope, not today, Satan. Plane's supposed to go down. Nope, I'm just going to hold them up. See that plane that landed and the, the, the gear didn't come down? Did you see that this week? 747 landed and the landing gear didn't come down, so they hit the ground and just slid. And then smoke, fire, everything, they had to come out. I'll tell you what, somebody on that plane had a covenant with God. Everybody freaking out. The Buddhists even crying out to Jesus at that time. Bro, when a plane's going down, everybody's suddenly spiritual. Oh, God, I've never prayed before, but at this time, Lord, if you get me out of this mess, I promise you I'll serve you all the days of my life. And then there's that one granny on there like, mm, Jesus has got this. She's chill, you know what I'm saying? She's like, we either going to glory or we're going to see a miracle.
And let me tell you, if you're ever on a plane that the landing gear doesn't come down, that's the time that you let boldness come out of you and you just shout at the top of your lungs, if you were to die today, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you would go to heaven? The only way to get there is through the Son, Jesus Christ. If you call on him right now, you can be saved. Oh, have a mass crusade. All it takes is a little landing gear problems and suddenly everybody is attentive to your words. So you got to get unified with the word of God. And I'm closing now. I mean, we're going to wrap it up. I mean, we're about halfway through, so we're good. You need a bathroom break, hold it. No, please, go to the restroom. Uh, that's one thing the ushers are not qualified to clean up here. That reminds me, remember that one chair? It has happened once here at the river. There was an unidentified stain that smelled strange on one of our chairs at one time that we decided we're just going to remove said chair from our lives. We believe in sanctification, but more for the body and not for the chair. That thing is tainted beyond repair. We threw it away. Amen. So just know that your chairs have been inspected. If there was anything questionable on them, they have been removed. Amen. Get unified with the word of God. Romans 4.20 says he staggered not. Say staggered not. Staggered. Means he didn't stumble. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Say fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. For what he had promised, he was able also to perform and therefore was imputed to him for righteousness. We're talking about Abraham. Being fully persuaded, the word of God is the authority of my life. I don't care about tests. I don't care about nations. I don't care about the who. I don't care about the CDC. I don't care about your political party or this political party. I don't care about anything. If it is not the word of God, that is not the authority of my life. Amen. Someone says, well, how does that matter? Well, that matter with the Romans 13 thing. When everybody's quoting Romans 13, you should shut down your church. You should follow the government. Well, the problem with that is when you read the full word, shout full word. Full word. Why did Jesus get arrested? Why did Peter get arrested? Why did Paul get arrested? Why were these guys thrown in jail? Because they didn't follow the government that was wicked. Well, it's, it's all right. You know what I'm saying? Are you with me or not with me? Okay. Anyways, after today's message... I will definitely run off anybody not with me, apparently. That's the goal anyways. And so, yes, Romans 13 applies, and that does apply. Every day of my life, there's not a day of my life that I say, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to go out and get wasted drunk and drive my car and see if, you know, what, what fun I can get into. There's not a day that I wake up and say, I'm going to figure out how to evade taxes because I don't want to support, there's not a day that I wake up and say, I'm going to murder someone today. There are laws in place that I honor, but I honor them first and foremost because the law of God in my heart is trumps it all. But that's what is taught. There is authority in place that protects you. If you defunded the police and you removed the police and got them out of every single place, 
You know what happened? Criminals would be criminals. Right? And so there is godly authority that it's talking about that you obey. But when the, the government gets up and tells you shut down the church because you're going to spread a virus, that's where you say no. Over, over my dead body. Will the church ever close its doors? If this is as bad as you say it is, then we're going to be open and we're going to be preaching the gospel and we're going to be laying hands on the sick. I mean, casting out devils. And we won't even use plastic gloves to do it. Amen. Bare-handed lay hands on people. That's what Jesus did with lepers. Just walk right up to them and was like, I don't want to mess up your hair. It looks too good today, Pastor. <laughs> Acts 4, 23 through 24. And it says, you got to get unified with your company, as I spoke about. There's a company you belong with. There's a company of believers that you are knit in with. And it says these guys were arrested. Now, it's funny. I just talked about that. Well, didn't set that up. But literally, when they get out of jail, the Bible says, and being let go, let go of jail... They went to their own company. Shout own company. company. You got to be in a group of people that when you do get arrested for preaching the gospel, you show back up at the place where they're celebrating what you did, not saying, now what you should have done, you should have really, I mean, you should have used more wisdom and not done as many miracles. You want to find yourself a company where they believe what you believe. And when you take a stand against wickedness, they take a stand against wickedness with you. You want to belong to a company that if you are going to jail, they're the ones that pray in the, in the house through the night until Peter had an angel show up, walk him out of the prison cell straight to the door. You want to belong to that company. You don't want to belong to the company that spins a PR to say, you know, we were, it was always shifty. Caleb was always a little weird. Am I, am I talking the truth? And people are like, well, what, how does this apply to my life? Because there is a battle. And we are on the winning side. And this is the hour of the church to arise and get bold. Yes. Call hell out on its schemes. Call every wicked thing uh, done in dark places out into the light that it can be purged from our society and that this generation can go further in the things of God. Amen. 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 So being let go, they returned to their own company and reported all the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Now what did the... Elders say to him, they said, from now on, do not tell people about Jesus. That's what they said. From now on, don't tell people about Jesus. Don't use the name of Jesus. And so it says they got out. They returned to their company. They told them what they said. And the church's response was immediately, they said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is, all that is in them. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto your servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God. It says spake, but it's harder to spake. They spake the word of God with boldness and the multitude of them that believed were of one heart. Shout one heart. one heart and of one soul. Say one soul. one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Amen. I'm talking about unity. That's right. 
I'm talking about unity, that when you get in a battle, there's a company you belong to that comes right along by your side and says, no, we're with you all the way. And the Bible says they were of one spirit and of one soul. And there was unity. And the Bible, if you keep reading, it says from that day forward, miracles began to explode and the church continued to grow. God has a plan. And the plan is do not let hell frustrate the relationships that matter in your life. If I can get someone on the keys right now. you got to get unified in the things of God. you got to recognize, man, there is no part of me that agrees with the, the message of this world. Get it out of your life. There's no part, there is no place of compromise in the church of God. I will not compromise the holy things of God to be accepted by a failing society. Right. I will not. I will not. I believe the word of God. I believe in the spirit of God. I believe that God is going to do supernatural things. And I believe that we are on and beginning in a great move of God. And I think this week alone, to see what the Lord has done is a green light to the church to recognize, man, we are going to see God do, even before the close of this year, some of the greatest things that have ever happened in this nation are about to erupt. Amen. Thanks for listening to River Claremont's podcast. We pray you were greatly blessed by this message. If you'd like to keep up to date with what's happening at the River Claremont Church, visit us at riverclaremont.com.